How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how are you, sir? It's actually melting here, thank you. Really? What's the temperature right now in Calgary? Oh, like three degrees. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's like most of the snow on the way to my way, it works actually gone, so that's nice. Oh, that's awesome to hear, man. Mm-hmm. All one block of it. <laughs> hey, that's better than no blocks, Tim. Yep. So I just gotta say, first of all, thank you for joining us here for Season 1, Episode 24, the Anton Volchankov episode of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Now, before we go on to our usual stories and everything we gotta talk about tonight, we got a little bit of house cleaning we gotta go through. Uh, first of all, as Tim and I talked about a few episodes ago, I did sign us up for the Potter and Family March Madness. I did mention on the show that we got out of the first round. Unfortunately, we were not so lucky in the second round. We lost 62% to 38%. So really, I mean, our podcast in the March Madness kind of mirrors the Ottawa Senators. They get out of the first round and only get knocked off in the second. Huh. A little sad. But then again, it's a little rough, as you've pointed out before. It's uh, We're doing a small-time podcast for a niche team. Absolutely. It's always a little hard. It is hard. Um, I do have to mention, I didn't mention it on uh, the last couple of episodes. We passed 50 followers on Twitter. Nice. And now we are officially at 60. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Considering that we started off with zero, the fact that we're at 60, nice little feeling. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, and hopefully they come and talk with us a bit more, or or it'll just be us talking with Adam. Oh, for sure. We also got to talk about last week's episode, the birthday pod. This was a big hit for us. At the time of this recording, we have 23 listens on SoundCloud. We beat season one, episode 22 in three days, listener wise. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. I was a little sad with that one just because So I thought we did pretty well on the previous, like the two episodes prior, but just no one picked it up. Honestly, a bit of a shame. It is. Do you think my intro from last week had anything to do with our bump in ratings? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Now, Tim, you also mentioned it earlier. Artbot Adam. Now, I put it up on Twitter, and we're going to announce it here as well. Artbot Adam, the the host of the upcoming podcast, Three Ghosts, No Wait 4, will be coming on the Third Line Plug Sensecast next week for an interview. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, are you excited as I am about this? Yeah, we'll ask him why he chose the Leafs over the Sens. Well, you know what, Tim? We'll also ask him why he chose the Jets over the Leafs, too. (laughs) I think there's an easy answer there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Quality of play. That, too, plus other reasons. But we're going to save that for next week. Let's go on to the episode. And we're going to start off with... How was your week, Tim? Uh, pretty good. Not a lot happened. Although uh, in Calgary, we had this thing called uh, the Big Taste, where a bunch of restaurants around town all had fixed menus for a specific price range that the City Tourism Board set. Okay, so it's sort of like what Culliner in Victoria does. Yeah. So uh, Chelsea and I did a five-course meal at a place called Market down on 17th Avenue. Okay. Which is kind of one of the trendier places in Calgary for 65 bucks, and uh, yeah, it was super good. Oh, so awesome. So if uh, anyone's listening in Calgary, uh, next time Big Taste or anything like that rolls around, you got to go out and try it if you can. Nice. And what was your favorite? Sorry, what was your favorite thing from the from the venue? Ooh, they they're at, for the first round of appetizers. They had king crab corn dogs. Really? Ooh, that does sound nice, actually. Yeah, although their slow-cooked side short... I think it was slow-cooked 
Boar short rib was fantastic as well. Okay, that does uh, that does actually sound pretty good. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, and then they had uh, then for dessert we got a cup like a jar full of lemon like lemon meringue pie in a jar. So it was mostly the lemon and meringue. Oh, okay, so it's just no. Is it the uh, the meringue part or just the lemon filling? I'd say about a third meringue, uh, about half lemon, and the rest was uh, pie crumbs at the bottom. That's not too bad. Uh, can, sorry, can I quickly tell you a quick story here? Um, I don't think I, I think I've mentioned it to you in the past that we opened up a coffee shop at at Brentwood College where I work. I don't think you ever mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. So for those who don't know, I do work at Brentwood College, a pretty upscale private school here on Vancouver Island. We opened up a coffee shop in Crooks Hall where where I'm located at, and so it was near the end of the day, and we were given some chocolate croissants. Now, it's just a croissant with Nutella in the middle. Now, here's the thing. I will be the first to admit, I'm not a huge Nutella fan because I ate it when it was stale one time, and that totally put me off it. So when I got this croissant, and it's it's a huge croissant, I'm not even going to lie to you, I took one bite, it was like eating half a tub of Nutella. Holy. Oh, God, I felt sick afterwards. I was like, oh, man, this was a bad idea. And then I kept going like, I'm, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to tap out, man. Fuck <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, that's terrible, though. Like, could he even taste the croissant? No. Jesus. And I like croissants. I, I like croissants, but I don't like it when there's like half a fucking tube of Nutella in the middle of it. Yeah, so... Like, is it the kids working at the coffee shop, or is it just some contractors they got? No, it's actually uh, spares that we have on our on our schedule. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so they're the ones that work the coffee shop, and they also do other things in the building as well. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting you, Tim. Go back to your story. Well, that was pretty much it for the dinner. Yeah, it was, like, probably the first really nice weekend we've had in a very long time in Calgary, so might as well enjoy it. Oh, for sure. Now, is it just a food show, or was it a uh, food and drinks show? Well, food and I think it was food, mostly food, but a lot of places had suggested pair, uh, alcohol pairings as well. Okay. So uh, the place we went to, they were doing uh, every for an extra twenty six bucks, you could get a two ounce wine pairing with every course. No, twenty six bucks each, or twenty six bucks for the twenty six each. Oh, geez, that is quite expensive. Well, not what. Like, we we each ended up with ten ounces and an eight ounce glass of nice an eight ounce glass of nice wine can run you into the twenty dollars. True, but I mean, when I went to Culinary, it was like sixty five bucks for everything, and we didn't have like the usual. Oh, try this pairing with this food. It was sort of you just go around from booth to booth, try out something, go to another drink one. Now, usually, I did the food, but I mostly stayed at the drinks. So I was like, a grapefruit IPA. Let's have a look at this. Oh, that's very nice. Oh, look, another IPA. And by the end, it's like, give it another IPA. I'm... No, I don't <laughs> think I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, no. The I think uh, the drink stuff was like, it depended on which restaurant you went to. Okay. Yeah, so it was 68 $65 for the five-course meal, and then drinks were extra. Ah, okay. Which is honest. Like, it's a great price for what you got, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I guess that's enough about Tim. So how about you? Not a whole lot. Um, it was theater week at the school, so I had to put in some pretty late nights. But the one thing that I want to talk about is, as I've said here on the show, I started doing drop-in hockey, yeah, right at the end of the season. That's when I decided, to, oh, maybe I'll t- do uh, this drop-in hockey thing. So I went out to Cary Park, at the Cary Park Arena, which is just up the road from where I work. And I went on there on Wednesday morning, and I got two assists. Nice. Which is funny, because there was a guy in the same change room I was in, and he was drinking Budweiser's at like 9 in the morning, and I'm just sitting there going, all right, I guess this is uh, what we're going to be doing now. It's like... Holy fuck, like 10 to 9 in the morning, and we're going to start drinking? Okay, that get, puts uh, the whole beer league thing, a whole new perspective for me. Must have worked. The guy went out there and scored two goals, so can't blame him for it. <laughs> well, I guess it's uh, the NHL used to work like that, and I remember when I used to play uh, Ultimate Frisbee, 
uh, half of us were drunk by noon. So you never had afternoon games in a tournament. Yeah. I never did the ultimate Frisbee, but yeah, I imagine that's a pretty good sport to play when you're sauced. Uh, probably not, because it's a lot, you're just running up and down the pitch for a whole game. Well, you know what, I, th- I imagine when you're sauced, you know, you're completely calm, and you have a lot of confidence, and you're like, oh, I could totally fucking tear alone this bitch, Ugh, and you're dying from one-handed. Yeah, maybe. And you end up breaking things, it's like, ow, oh, my arm. Jeez. So now that we talked about our week, Tim... Did you listen to last week's episode? Yeah, and I thought it was good. Just good? Pretty good. It was more than 12 listens good. Oh. Sorry, I'm thinking two weeks ago. Last episode was great. Ah, okay. That's what I was... I was like, really? I thought it was pretty good. I don't know why you're so down on it, Tim. Because he's not watching the right damn episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably why, Tim. But uh, I gotta ask, what do you think of the intro? Because I didn't show you the intro before we went on to the episode. I think it worked well. I think so. I think it was so over the top that I was just like, this is gonna be awesome. Nice. Yeah, speaking about over the top, we're going over to top of the hour. Okay, let's go on to top of the hour, and we got to start off with a former Ottawa Senator story. Whoa. Now, for those who don't know, former San Jose Sharks star Jonathan Chichu announced his retirement through the Sharks. Chichu, who was drafted by San Jose 29th overall in 1998, played six seasons with the Sharks, scoring a career-high 56 goals in the 2005-2006 season before he was dealt to Ottawa with Milan McCulloch for Danny Heatley. Chichu then spent the next eight seasons in the AHL and KHL. I'm not going to lie. I honestly thought he retired years ago. That's what happens when you kind of just fly off to the K. You just go right under the radar. And oh. it's a shame because uh, I really did like the success story of Jonathan Chichu. Yeah. Uh, especially because of the fact that he was able to work his way off of uh, remote fucking reserve mm-hmm. and uh, get into the NHL, which is massively impressive. Oh, for sure. You know what's funny, Tim? When I was when I first read this story, I wasn't thinking about his goals that he scored. I wasn't even thinking about the time that he played in Ottawa. What I was thinking about was this. Train, train, Chichu, train. Our team's gonna win this game. Chichu, oh yeah, Chichu, oh yeah. Tay, what the hell was that? Well, Tim... For those who don't know, that was the Jonathan Chichu song, and I actually don't remember who did it, but it was a diehard San Jose Sharks fan who made that song. He made that years ago, too, like almost a decade ago, and every team that Jonathan Chichu ended up going to, he would update the song. So there was one for Ottawa, there was one for the Oklahoma City Barons, uh, the Piora Rivermen, I remember he did one for them. But as far as I know, that's as far as it went. I haven't seen any from the KHL, so would have been nice if he had done that. Yeah, Jesus. But, like, I think Jonathan Chichu will probably always be the casualty of that trade. Yeah, he was just sort of the throw-in for that trade, because at the time of that trade, like, his career was sinking fast. Like, he went from 56 goals in the 05-06 season to be traded four years later. Yeah, and, like... It was amazing how quickly the game changed after the salary cap was instituted as well. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the poor guy was kind of the more marketable out of him and Milan McCulloch, so he became a, a bit of a lightning rod for fan ire after uh, Danny fucking Heatley uh, left. Although, luckily, I guess most of the hatred stuck to Heatley himself. Yeah, and... Even when I was out in the alumni game a couple of months ago and I saw people reacting to Alexei Yashin, I was saying to somebody there, I was like, do you want to know why everybody is so accepting of Yashin back now? It's because all of our hatred is towards Danny Heatley. That's exactly yeah. what happened. It just, the hatred transferred from Yashin to Heatley. And then I think enough passed, enough time passed with Yashin that we were willing to accept him back. 
yeah, probably. Although there's still a lot of people who aren't terribly happy after uh, Yashin's donation to the National Arts Center went sideways. Yeah, and you know what? You hear a lot of stories about Yashin during his time in Ottawa. But, and I think we've talked about it here on the show, it's not... You know, you can't exactly put all the blame on him because... And I've made the example. Say you're at a job, and you're really good at your job, and, you know, you do everything right, and the team is very hesitant to pay you the big dollars. You have another person who does the exact same job, doesn't produce as much as you do, and he gets paid more, and the company likes him better. Yeah, and the only difference is one's Canadian and one's... And you're Russian. Exactly. Like, it sucks. But, uh... I think we've tangented off, but uh, honestly, I'm happy that Jonathan Chichu did end up finding success in the K. Oh, for sure, because I had a look at the stats, and it looked like he had pretty solid numbers in the KHL. Yeah, like, sure, he wasn't playing against premier talent, like, in the NHL, but you're still playing against very good hockey. You're still playing very, very good hockey in the K, so... Yeah, well, the KHL is the second highest-ranked league. That's not the NHL. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's head into our next story. Chicago Blackhawks head coach Joel Quenville moved into second place all-time in games coached with 1,608 games. Quenville, who joined the Blackhawks in 2008, previously coached the St. Louis Blues from the 96-97 season until the 03-04 season, including a President's Trophy win in 2000 before he joined the Colorado Avalanche for the 05-06 season, and he remained there until the 07-08 season. I never really appreciated how quickly uh, Joe Quentinville was able to integrate himself on a very successful Blackhawks team. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, you could, with the Blackhawks, you could look at that roster and be like, well, yeah, when you have a very young Jonathan Taves and a very young Patrick Kane and Patrick Sharp and... Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, you're going to have a lot of wins, but Joel Quenville comes in and really is brings them together and that's why they've gone on to become a dynasty Hmm. yeah and yeah like that chicago team was good but yeah just plus a very good new coach and i think uh joe quenville was definitely he's instrumental with the fact that chicago's window still isn't completely closed either no despite how their season has been going this season Hmm. Like, Chicago probably just needs a few, a bit of retooling, and they're probably good to go. Oh, for sure. Let's go into our next story. Dr. David Cassidy, a Toronto epidemiologist hired by the NHL, told a U.S. judge overseeing the NHL concussion lawsuit that it's impossible to prove a link between hockey and CTE because some people who haven't played contact sports have wound up suffering from the brain-withering disease. Cassidy wrote in court documents filed on Wednesday in Minnesota that U.S. District Court... Judge Suzanne Nelson should exclude the testimony of Dr. Robert Cantu, stating that Cantu's opinion of a 100% link between head impacts and this NCTE is flawed. Once again, we are back talking about CTE and the NHL. And I know that I sent you that link from the real, I think it's real time with uh, Brian Gumble. I don't know if you ever, if you ended up watching that. No, but we've, I think both of us are pretty up on what's going on. For sure. And the fact is the NHL, once again, is denying, and they're very just like, well, there's no link between this, despite the fact you look throughout the history of the NHL, and there is a link between head injuries and CTE. I mean, you can look at the deaths from 2011. You could look at when Bob Probert passed away. You could look at even even Rick Martin, who's part of the French Connection in Buffalo in the 70s, after he died, you know, he shown to have CTE. You could look at, you know, throw a rock in the NHL. You could probably hit a guy with who has CTE today. And we've said on the show, this is not strictly an NHL problem. You know, you saw it in the NFL with all the lawsuits. You're seeing it in all kinds of other sports. You're seeing it in pro wrestling. You're seeing it everywhere. And the fact that the NHL is still denying this in 2018 is barbaric. Well, what's ridiculous is look at their, like, their reasoning is because, and this is not statistically valid, by the way, just be, it's not a 100% correlation, therefore it doesn't exist. Yeah, and that's wrong. I mean, so dumb, too, because what they're basically saying is, 
look, there's a guy over there who had who has it. Therefore, it's not a sports thing, even though you can look at it and then say, get what's the chance of someone having CTE given they played sports is different than what's the chance of someone playing sports given they have CTE. You're arguing two very different things, and by conflating that, I'm I'm not sure if it's mo- if it's malice or just stupidity. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, we've talked about it here so much on the show, I'm really not sure what to say anymore about this. Yeah. Although, who knows, maybe that maybe they'll have their day in court. For sure. And even in that Real Sports segment I sent you, they had Eric Lendros on talking about that he and, that, and the Montreal Canadiens head doctor started that I can't remember if it's a foundation or whatever for head injuries, and they asked the NHL to donate $31 million, one from each team, and they didn't do that. I mean, we, granted, we've talked about it here on the show, but they mentioned that in the documentary, in the segment, which is only reinforcing this whole thing that the NHL either doesn't want to be sued by these guys, or they're too fucking stupid to admit that they're the ones at fault. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to even what Patrick O'Sullivan was saying that uh, when we both consider not o- not only head injuries but mental health in general, the teams and by extension the NHL really don't have a strategy for this sort of thing. And I think part of it is they just don't want to get sued. They don't want to be involved with kind of negative publicity of this, even though if they were willing to just get out in front of it, they could they could have turned a bad story into an okay one for sure. And if the NHL keeps denying and keeps ignoring all the CTE problems, well, you know who could go after them is the NHLPA, who's representing the players, and they could go to the NHL saying, you know what, there is a direct link to this, and you are just not willing to admit to this. Yeah, we could see another lockout at the end of the CBA. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and there's a myriad of other reasons that a lockout is probably coming. Speaking of head injuries, Boston Bruins forward David Backus has been suspended three games for his headshot on Detroit Red Wings' Franz Nielsen. I got a chance to look at the clip, and while it doesn't look as vicious as some of the hits we've seen in the NHL this season, it's still a pretty bad one because Franz Nielsen was skating backwards along the boards, and Backus came up from behind him and elbowed him right in the face. You know, I'm glad that they... They should be getting rid of hits like that, even if it wasn't vicious. The fact that he did something that is dangerous mm-hmm. should be taken out of the game because uh, when you're working with uh, trying to clean up things, and you can actually see this in crime data as well, uh, if you want to get people to stop doing things, you have to make the probability of them getting caught high. Oh, for sure. Because if if you just have like a few people getting massively ridiculous sentences, that's not stopping people. Yeah, because and... it's a low probability event. Oh, for sure. And which, you know what, Tim? People th- we talked about it here on the show what's too. What's going to happen? We Pardon? talked about it here on the show. Where I can't remember a few weeks back when we were talking about the Brad Marchant hit on Marcus Johansson, and you could say, well, what if somebody else had done the exact same thing and he didn't get or he got suspended, but Marchant didn't? You could be like, well, why is it that I did it, and I got suspended. This guy did it, and he didn't get anything for it. Oh, yeah. Then that that makes the problem even worse. Like, not only are these suspensions a rare event, they're inconsistent. So the internal, like, the internal decision-making is just like, ah, fuck it, I'm not gonna, even if I get caught, I'm not gonna get punished for it. Might as well go for it. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, it's, Given all these different people at the head of the NHL Department of Player Safety, and it's failed in these similar ways through all of them, it's very clear the NHL isn't serious about this. Oh, not at all. And I mean, you know what? I mean, the NHL would be, like Gary Batman has gone out in the media and says, you know, we were the first pro sports league to take head injuries seriously in the late 90s. But, like we've talked about here a few stories, even on our last story, like they're clearly, even though they're saying they're taking it seriously, I've always lived by the whole notion of your actions speak louder than words. So your actions, when you're not doing anything about it, you can come out and say you're doing it, something about it, but when you're not obviously doing something about it, 
Well, that just goes to show that you obviously don't care about your players and the well-being of there. Yeah, and at some point, it's just a big old money game. Hey, speaking of money games, Tim, the Carolina Hurricanes have announced that Ron Francis has been outed as GM of the Hurricanes in the form of a promotion. Francis became the president of hockey operations for the Carolina Hurricanes. The team will search for a new GM who will report directly to new team owner, new team owner Tim Dundon. Now, I was reading this the other day, and, you know, with all the things in Ottawa with Eugene Melnick and all the problems there, this is not as big of a problem in Carolina, but this obviously looks like a, what Mark Cuban is doing with the Dallas Mavericks, where he wants to be the guy in charge. He wants to be the real hands-on owner who does everything and controls everything. And I feel that Tom Dundon is doing the exact same thing in Carolina. It's interesting, though, because when you listen to the way Tom Dundon talks about uh, the way he wants to structure the Carolina Hurricanes, it almost comes out a little differently because uh, Tom speaks a lot about uh, he wants to have very specialized people in specialized paces where information is flowing. Right. And he wants to make sure he understands how all the roles work. So if someone needs to be fired or has to leave the role, the information, the way things rule, isn't lost. So it's a very stable form of ownership involvement. So I don't think it's like the Eugene Melnick or the <sighs> Cleveland Brown style of uh, meddling owner. Right. And I think it might, I think Mark Cuban is similar. So I don't think this is a negative, honestly. No, and that's why I said it's not as big of a story as what Eugene Melnick's doing in Ottawa, but you do see shades of what he's doing in Carolina. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think Tom Dundon's a lot more financial. Well, he's more financially stable, and there's a method. Well, then again, Tim, fuck, we're more financially stable than Milnick is. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, you done with top of the hour? For sure. So we are now done with top of the hour, and we've got to go into talking about these week's games. We got three games on the schedule. We got the Sens versus the Stars, Sabers versus the. Sorry, Senators versus the Stars, Sabres versus the Senators, and the Flames versus the Senators. But before we do that, Tim, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right, Tim, let's start talking about the games of the week. And we're going to start off with the Ottawa Senators versus the Dallas Stars. This is a 3-2 Senators overtime victory. Overtime victory. Sens goals were scored by Mike Hoffman, Matthew Shane, and our Lord and Savior Eric Carlson. Stars goals were scored by Tyler Sagan with two. Shots were 33-30 for the Stars. Tyler Sagan got on the board first with on the power play to make it 1-0 Stars after a shot deflects off Ben Harper's skate, who was covering Jamie Ben. Mike Hoffman ties it at one with 1.4 seconds to go in the second. Sends applied pressure in the offensive zone and is rewarded by Mark Stone feeding Hoffman. Duchesne scores to make it 2-1 Sens after Carlson fed Duchesne, who wired it home. Sagan got a second of the night to tie it at 2 after a shot goes through the crowd. And our lord and savior, Eric Carlson, ends it in OT after Bobby Ryan makes the great defensive play to cover the net after Anderson got out of position. Now, I am not going to start any rumors here. But this was on my birthday, and I feel Eric Carlson picked the puck and be like, I'm going to score for you, big guy. It's in. <laughs> now, this, no, I did have to condense watch this game because we were recording last week's episode. From what I saw, it looked like it was a pretty back-and-forth game by both teams. It's interesting, yeah, because Ottawa came out sloppy, took an early penalty, and after Sagan popped a goal, got that first goal, right. Ottawa was just like, enough of this shit, and really came out and really took it to Dallas for the rest of the first period. Uh, after that second period, yeah, it was pretty back and forth uh, flow hockey. And then Hoffman on the power play. That's another beautiful goal. Oh, that's so good. One thing I do got to mention, though, uh, Ben Bishop left the early, left the ice early. Now, what exactly happened to him? Did he get injured, or does something happen to him, or what happened? I can't rightly say. Okay. Pretty good game by Ottawa's defense all round. Although it was just a run and gun adventure. Uh, the Clayson 
Carlson line actually looked quite good for most of the night. Oh, yeah? Carlson was on the ice for both goals against, but what are you going to do? Especially with uh, as dynamic of a player as Tyler Sagan dropping both of them in. Yeah, Uh, I had that in my notes that he was the best player in the game. Oh, for sure. How about the Pajot-Ryan Stone line? You know what? That's a that's a line that has been brought up, or will be brought up, many times in this episode. Because and I have it in our next game's notes that I thought the Ryan-JGP Stone line was also pretty good. Yeah, they are just feeding on uh, the top lines. Like, uh, they are giving um, a thought and Klinkberg fits. Mm-hmm. I think they're starting tonight's game in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Although, the who the fuck up? decided to put CC with Carlson? Seriously. Uh, some guy, he's named Guy Boucher or something. I don't know. Never heard of him. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was just overall a very strong game by both teams. That was, it's just good old-fashioned hockey. Awesome. So do you have anything to say more about this game, or should we go into our second game of the night? Uh, let's go on to the second game of the night. Okay. Buffalo Sabres versus the Ottawa Senators. This is a 4-3 Sabres shootout victory. Sens goals are scored by Ryan Dezingle with two and Thomas Shabbat. Sabres goals are scored by Marco Scandella, Sam Reinhardt, and Scott Wilson. Shots from 40-34 40 for Ottawa. An exciting game overall by both teams. Ottawa and Buffalo created a number of scoring chances throughout the game, which was complemented by solid goaltending by both Robin Leonard and Craig Anderson. With the game being an de- offensive battle, defensive really took a back seat in this game, which is noted with the five turnovers Ottawa made in the first period. You know, over this last couple of weeks, this has really been something that, oh, when I look back at this season, this is probably what pisses me off more about this team losing, is that they don't appear to give it all every single night. And I put this in my notes. I said this is also another solid team effort by the Ottawa Senators. Well, I think part of it is just, I don't think they're given the best chance to succeed every night. Like, my first note is, look at Ottawa's fucking opening lines. They're shit. Yeah, but still, though, I mean... Like, you know, you, if you're you gotta starting... Make, you gotta make, when life gives you lemons, you gotta make lemonades. But still, when you go out on the ice every single night, and the fans aren't stupid. The fans watch them every single game, and they could tell when you're just dogging it out there. Hmm. But it's just you have to admit, though, like if you're starting off on the raw foot by putting out a re- like a retarded checking line and your worst defenseman against like the guys that have been doing their work for the last week, it's gonna be deflating because hockey is a momentum game. Because then it's you're putting pressure on your offensive guys to push it out of the defensive zone where the other team's already established. And Carlson and Shabbat can't do it alone. And the fact that Harper and C, like Harper, CC, and even Borrow had pretty bad games. Yeah. Like, there just was no support there. But remember Phil Veroni? I do remember Phil Veroni. He was playing that game. For Buffalo or Ottawa? Yeah, Buffalo. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I remember last year thinking that he was going to be kind of an interesting call-up option for the Senators, then all of a sudden he was gone. Well, but then again, we said the same about Nick Paul. We said Nick Paul would be an interesting one too, but we we also sort of came to the conclusion that I think the team has pretty much just given up on him. Which I really don't understand, because it's not like he's putting up bad AHL numbers on a god-fucking-awful AHL team. No, it like, could just be his attitude in the locker room, though. Uh, who knows? But then again, just look at these some of the retarded decisions this team makes with call-ups, though. Like Max McCormick over Philip Shalopic or Nick Paul or Colin White. Or just Randy Lee just making ridiculous player acquisition choices for uh, the lower... for uh, Ottawa's contribution to Binghamton... Sorry, Pellville. And the fact that Belleville doesn't really have a core of AHL veterans to really mentor young players. Like, the whole Ottawa farm system's a fucking mess. For sure. Now let's go into uh, some pretty good things about this game. Duchesne, Hoffman, Dezingle. 
Man, was that line fantastic in this game. Especially Ryan DeZingle scoring two goals in this game. Oh, he almost had a hat-trick too, hey? Oh, fuck. I was sitting here watching it, and I legitimately thought it went over the line. <coughs> it almost did too. But it, it was still touching the red paint and not enough white ice, so they called it off, which is the right call. But, ah, uh, that would have been so good. I know. Not to be undone, though, I, like we said also, I thought the Bobby Ryan, JGPT, Mark Stone line was also pretty good in this game, too. Mm-hmm. Why was Alexander Burroughs on the power play today? I don't know. Like, it's frustrating because, like, all of these players were, like, Ottawa's top players, they were phenomenal. Like, when you're having, like, when Dezingle's close to a hat trick, been turning it on all night, and has been just mixing up all over the net. Why don't you give him some power play time instead of a guy that no one would take for fucking free? Well, I was going to say, well, that's not fair. Johnny O'Duty is not here, but we're not talking about him, are we? No. O'Duty escaped. He was worth... Some people were willing to take him for free. Yeah, Philly. Yeah, no one was willing to take Burroughs and his shitty contract. And honestly, like if Pierre Dorian's watching, he's gotta be just cursing, cursing Guy Boucher because it's like, okay, I told, I basically put this guy out for next to the lawn with a "take me, I'm free" sign. No one would take him. Why are you giving him develop time that should be for developing players? Yeah, and you know we talked about this in last couple days ago about Mark Crawford, and I said, you know, I would be okay with Crawford being our head coach because. He always seemed to have done well in cities with teams with a lot of offensive support, whether it was Colorado or whether it was Vancouver. Now, I know you brought up, well, he didn't look that great in Dallas or L.A., but I said neither of those teams at the times that he was there had a lot of offensive skill to him. Oh, that's for sure. Although, I rem didn't he have a young Marion Gaberick to work with? Sorry, no, a young Anze Kopitar. I'm trying. Yeah, I can't remember if Kopitar... I think Kopitar was with the Kings at that point. Yeah, which would have been phenomenal offense. And then even his role players were fairly effective at scoring goals like Ian Lapierre and uh, Sean Avery. That's true. Because that was the year that Sean Avery got 20. No, I don't think Sean got 20 in LA. He got him in New York, but definitely Yeah, he got not. in New York. Yeah. Although he did get traded that year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, no, that was um, 07, 08. He got traded to New York. Yep. Uh, let's see. Okay. Anything else? Uh, Burroughs O'Brien Gabrick line. Look. Oh, did you see that? Were you watching the game live? They were talking about Ryan O'Reilly's stick. Yeah, that was. I didn't really make much of a comment about that. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, the one comment I did make was on Ryan Dezingle, who got hit knee-on-knee knee by Benoit Pouliot. Oh, that was a disgusting hit, and I'm surprised that nothing more came out of that. Yeah, actually, I'm surprised, too. Because, you know, I'm... hits like that is what guys like Don Cherry have hated for years, because you look down the list of players that has ruined... It ruined Cam Neely's career, for one, but... You know, when you see a guy like Ryan Dezingle, who's a pretty good hockey player, get hit knee-on-knee knee by some fucking scrub, that's what should be taken out of the game. Oh, for sure. Or just that hit in general. Yeah. Like, yikes, that was I'm just happy that Dezingle was okay. Oh, for sure. I'll go back to what you were saying, you were saying about Ryan O'Reilly's stick. I know you were going to say something there before I interrupt you once again. Like... Dude's going to break a face-off winning record, and the way that stick's shaped probably is part of it. Yeah, is that a legal curve, though, what he has, or no? Yeah. Okay, is it, sorry, is it more of a straight stick, or more of a, just a little curve to it? It's pretty curved. It almost looks broken. But I guess it's legal. Hmm. I guess the last thing to note is, uh, Bruce Garriott, during question period, was talking about uh, the optics of Ottawa giving up their pick this year to Colorado. Okay. And everyone was pretty much in agreement. Yeah, if you give up this year's, you're admitting you're going to suck next year. 
Yeah, that's true. Unless it's a... The only way I see Ottawa doing this is if they don't get the first pick. Yeah. Because honestly, I think that's the only way that I see Ottawa doing that is if they just go in and they don't win the first pick. Maybe that's to be like, well, we don't know who we would draft with if we finish, say, second or if we finish fifth. Yeah, or even if they fall, like, depending how the standings shake out, they might even fall close to 10th, and at that point, it's a crap. You might as well give it out and see what happens next year. Yeah, this is going to be a really odd draft for draft picks. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of motion, a lot of weird motion. For sure. So do you have anything more you want to talk about, or should we go on to the third and final game of the evening? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Flames versus Senators. This is a 2-1 Flames victory. Sens goals are scored by Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Flames goals are scored by Sam Bennett and Matt Stajan. Yet another player I had no idea who was still in the NHL. I think Boggs Mollett also tweeted that out too. Shots were 37-30 for the Calgary Flames. A pretty even game by both teams, except for the first period with Ottawa... With Calgary auto dominating Ottawa, Calgary out. Oh, fuck. Ottawa came out flat-footed and asleep, but got their feet going and managed to get a goal. Calgary was full of pep and took charge, going at Ottawa right out of the gate. Now, look, I'm just gonna say it. It was not an overly exciting game. It was mostly a defensive battle with some scoring chances sprinkled in. Yeah, you could tell Ottawa kind of mailed it in. Yeah, and I mean this goes back to what we were saying last week about the back-to-back games. Is that they just came out tired. Yeah, and they'll be doing it again tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, but, that's going to uh, be... Yeah, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, apparently the Calgary Flames were in town before Ottawa was. You know, uh, I, met... That's true, I did see that. Yeah, but uh, overall, yeah, it was, Calgary played a great game. Curtis Lazar did something that he never did in Ottawa. What are you talking about? He bitched about having mono. Oh, I thought we are talking about recording an assist. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean that too, but still. Um, Uh, I think, did you see that somebody mentioned that on Twitter? That he said, you know, if I hadn't gotten mono, he would still be in Ottawa. And somebody tweeted out. He says, oh, here he goes again. Still fucking blaming mono 18 months after it happened. Yeah, pretty much. I do yeah, say about this game, though. I, I really thought the goaltending was solid. And even the goals that were scored on Mike Condon were not bad goals. No, and any time that you have a .94 save percentage, mm-hmm. play a damn good game. Oh, for sure. Now, let's go into the probably the big controversy from this game was Sam Bennett's goal. Because this is a goal that even when I'm sitting here watching it, I'm thinking, there's no fucking way this is going to count. Because... It looked like Monaghan fell on top of Condon, but on the replay, you could clearly see that Ben Harper shoved him on top of Condon. Despite that, the Sens challenged it after the replay showed goalie interference. However, Ben Harper pushed Monaghan on top of Condon and the goal stand. These rules are so freaking arbitrary. Yeah, like, did you see uh, the clip of Craig Button going off about goalie interference? He goes, well, you know what? Why don't we just wrap him up in bubble wrap and... Wrap the nets and all this kind of crap. I'm like, you know, just shut the fuck up. Well, here's the thing. People are rightfully annoyed by these rules because they are being enforced inconsistently. It's kind of like the NFL with the catches from last season because a lot of people were bitching about, I think it was in the, what game was it? Jacksonville-Pittsburgh game from the playoffs? where the Steeler clearly caught it in the end zone, and they didn't count it as a touchdown. And people were going off on Twitter, like, well, how is that not a catch? But, and they used another example, well, how, why is this a catch, but this isn't? This very much reminds me a lot of that with hockey. Oh, for sure. And I think by the, I think the game, I watched the game where that Pittsburgh catch happened, and I think... That was just after Ottawa was on the wrong side of, like, four different uh, goaltender interference calls that really should have gone the Ottawa's way. And I was like, yup, this is the NFL's goaltender interference. Yeah. Hopefully when the XFL comes in, that shit doesn't happen. Yeah, and oh, probably won't because they I don't think they can afford uh, one of those uh, fancy cameras. Well, that's not true. Vince McMahon has lots of money. He could probably afford it. 
Actually, that's true. Actually, it's you, not Eugene Melnick's that's, league. Yeah, that's true. You know what they should do? They should definitely bring back the guy with the camera on the field with the football helmet. Yeah. Bring oh, that'd back. be great. Yeah. Actually, really funny thing that happened was or, apparently the NHL was super annoyed that people were complaining about goaltender interference. And instead of saying, okay, we're going to look at it, like, guys, stop complaining about it. Oh, yeah, because that definitely works when you fly out just tell the fans to stop complaining, guys. Actually, it'll be good for the XFL. They should put GoPros on the players' helmets. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Hey, you know? Why hasn't the stop. NFL done that? That's what I'd like to know. Maybe it interferes with catches or something? I don't know. But, uh, you know, don't complain about goaltender interference. It sounds a little similar to, there's no such thing as concussions aren't involved in hockey, guys. Yeah, we just went there. Yeah. Well, it almost seems like the NHL's default response to absolutely everything is put their head in the sand. Yeah, well, maybe that's how they sleep at night, Tim. You never know. Yeah, no kidding. Also brutal. For sure. <laughs> so, Tim, I don't have any more notes. Do you have any more notes on the game from that night? No, I was drunk when I watched it, so. Okay, what were you drinking? Were, were you drinking Jaeger bombs? Yeah. Yeah. How many did you drink, bud? Only three. Okay. Now I know you talked about it last week about that you're getting fucked up, juice. I think you should tell a quick story before we go into the close. Uh huh. Do you want any stories, Tim? Yeah, bud. Oh, you're just doing karaoke. That's it. Pardon? That's the story. Yeah, we went to karaoke, bought a bought a bunch of soju and Jaeger bombs and sang for like three hours. Sorry, two hours. Oh, okay. I remember last week you were saying that you had a really good story and you said, oh, if we have only like two games, you would bring it up. About Jaeger bombs? Yeah, about getting fucked up on Jaeger bombs. I don't even remember what this story is now. Also, there's a lot of stories like that. I thought we'd actually have more to talk about this week, so I didn't bother writing one up <laughs> okay well because you fucking blew it you didn't you're not willing to tell a story i'll tell a story and it involves jägermeister hey all right so i was at my cousin's this is six seven years ago and we were just sitting around playing board games or whatever the fuck it was and my cousin had a bottle like just a regular size bottle of jägermeister and he was kind of looking at my cousin he goes hey watch this so he grabbed it he put it right in front of me he goes hey taylor Bet you can't drink that whole thing to yourself. And I went, you're fucking on. So I took the cap off and I just started chugging it. Oh, no. And I was like, glick, glick. And he's just like, huh? How does this fuck? Oh, my God. He's actually seriously doing this. And I finished it and I went, done, motherfucker. And then like 10 minutes later, I ended up passing out on the floor. And I'm like, I don't know where I am. And my cousin just was such an asshole about it. There was a little bit of Jaeger still in there, and he fucking poured it on my face while I was passed out. <laughs> right Jesus. on right on my top lip where my nose is. And I was getting I felt like I was gonna get sick and I could smell it and I was like, oh god. And I, like I legitimately couldn't move, couldn't do anything. You never saw me get up as quick as I did that time. Yeah. But I won't go into the, all the gory details of what happened afterwards, but all I remember was I woke up on the floor. And my cousin's, well, then fiance came home and she goes, hey, hey guys, um, why is Taylor on the floor? And what is that smell? I was like, uh, honey, don't go in that bathroom. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think the dumbest thing that I, oh, I guess I destroyed my buddy one time with Jaeger bombs. Yeah. Uh, there was also another time where did I ever talk about the nuclear Jaeger bomb on the show? Was that the one with the uh, the pail? Yeah, the pail in the jar. I th- think I don't know if you mentioned it on the on these episodes. You might have mentioned it on one of the uh, practice episodes we did. Yeah, because we did. I did that on Canada Day. So basically, what happened was uh, we. Uh, pre-drank at my buddy's place then went out to watch the fireworks and uh i don't know for months like i had come up with this idea is like yo i'm gonna buy like a huge thing of red bull and like a whole like a whole mickey a jagger just dump it in a bucket right and then uh before i before we made the thing chelsea's like 
Tim, have, have you read the instructions on this? Are you sure it's a good idea? So I'm like, okay, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. This is going to be great. And then as I'm about to put this thing together, I look at the back, I'm like, and the big red text is like, warning, do not consume more than four in a 24-hour period. <laughs> you know what? I think we talked about that here on the show, and I said, I think it's, uh, was it six? Six in like a two-hour period could stop your heart. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, this is a warning that I'll heed. Yeah, but you know what's funny, though? And I think that's probably one of those warnings that nobody really takes seriously. Because you, even if you look at the... On the Red Bull cans, they says, do not mix with alcohol. And we're just like, fuck that! Let's get drunk, baby! Yeah, but... Yeah, the second one, it's like, don't drink more than four of these. I'm like... I know that caffeine and taurine can do some shit, so I'm going to listen to that one. Yeah. So we ended up splitting in the nuclear Jager bomb, and uh, yeah, I forget what ended up happening at my buddy's house, but uh, we decided to go see the fireworks, and somehow Chelsea and I get split off from everyone else. Okay. And uh, we meet this woman on the bridge who's uh, angry drunk. Ooh, yeah, I know those kind of drunks. And... For some reason, she was really mad at Leonard Cohen. Were, were you there back in the day when I think Tim, Drew, Connor, and Kyle and I were all hanging out, and we were just walking back to Kyle's place, and we were like, fuck David Letterman! And like, we, we weren't drunk, we were just angry for some reason. I think I was there, but I don't remember why it was David Le- Why was it David Letterman? I don't remember why it was David Letterman at all. Yeah. Like, sometimes people are just angry at people, like... I had no idea why this woman was bad at Leonard Cohen. Like, sure, he he's to- like his perception of sex is totally weird, but I don't think that warrants being angry drunk at him on Canada Day. Yeah, well, you know, actually a buddy of mine was saying that one of his buddies got just totally loaded one time, and he was like, hey, Trey, you know who I got a massive man crush on? Tom Selleck. What?! <laughs> yeah, he, my, and my buddy Trey was telling me this, and he says, yeah, my buddy Sean just got really shit-faced and said that he had a huge man crush on Tom Selleck. That's just the weirdest one, though. Like, I can't understand, like, Burt Reynolds or, like, any of the, de- like, the more rugged-looking guys, but Tom Selleck? I don't know. He's kind of rugged-looking. Kind of. Kind of. Well, I guess it's not Chris Farley. That is true. Um, yeah, that is fair enough. Yeah. Actually, it would be weird if it was David Spade. <laughs> Actually, I remember uh, one of my coworkers, what I used to work on base, what, she's like, yeah, everyone's allowed to have uh, a man crush and a dirty old man crush. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, my man crush, it's our coworker Willie here. Look, <laughs> but my dirty old man crush is Steven Tyler. Just look at him. Isn't he gross? <laughs> oh my god, that's like, awesome. Jesus Christ, Roddy. But also, you're fucking right. <laughs> that's like one of the people I work with, and she was just like, yeah, I got a huge man crush on Patrick Stewart. For an old bald man. Yeah, he's pretty hot. I'm like, ah, that's great, Leash. Yeah, an old gay bald man. No, Patrick Stewart's straight. You're thinking of uh, Ian McKellen. I thought they were both gay. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope, they're both besties, but no, only uh, Ian McKellen uh, is gay. I don't know, I don't remember who's gay anymore. No, well, you know, Tim, with all these sexual harassment lawsuits coming out now, fucking can't do anything anymore. No. Thanks a lot, Atlantis. Wow. Well, Come Tim, on, Kevin Spacey ruining it for everyone. Oh, uh, I know. Did you ever play that Call of Duty game that he was in? No, I heard it was awful. Well, I mean, it was Call of Duty. You're not really expecting greatness. It's like last night. I was watching Baywatch, like the movie adaptation. I knew it was going to be fucking terrible. And I sat there and I'm thinking, yeah, this is pretty terrible. And, you know, Dwayne Johnson's in it and he's not fucking giving people the people's elbow it's it's all right i guess yeah and it was like fun. Just... i mean it was a fun movie but yeah it wasn't very good 
Well, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, Chelsea and I are watching this one show uh, called Darling in the Franks, and it's fucking terrible. Like, okay, it's, like, so mediocre that I'm not even sure why I'm watching it. Oh, so it's the, you know, is it a show or a movie? Uh, it's, like, a 26-episode series. Okay, uh, so we're at we... episode 10, and I, I really don't know why I'm watching it. So it's kind of like The Order 1886, but in a 26-part series. Yeah, well... It's robots instead of vampires, but actually, I don't even know what the hell... The, the show doesn't know what it wants to be. It just knows that it wants to be up its own ass. So, like, I haven't dropped it, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, that's sort of like Fuller House, and I knew that was going to suck. I just knew that was not going to be very good. I watched the first episode, and I'm thinking, wow, this is fucking awful. Then, like, 12 episodes in, I'm still watching it, and I don't know why. And I'm like, oh, God, why? what have I done with my life? Then well, I like, crawl under a little ball, and all I hear is, hello, darkness, my old friend. Well, the worst thing is some of these shows, it's just, like, they're not bad enough to be funny bad. Yeah. Like, they're just bad. Yeah, it's not like The Room or Birds or one of those kind of shows. No, and, like, there's so many ones where I just sat there at the end of it. I'm just like, what the fuck did I actually watch? Like, there was this one where, like, the first two episodes were actually pretty good. Right. And then the plot just meanders. And by episode 12, I'm like, what the, what the fuck am I even watching anymore? Oh, Jesus. I think it might be one of the shows that I, like, ranked, rated the least. It was like, this is legitimately, like, a 3 out of 10 at okay. best. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up the episode, but unless you have anything you want to talk about before we head into the close. Nah, I think we're pretty far away from Ottawa Senators hockey at this point. Yeah. Let's head into the close. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sense Guest. I hope you enjoy it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sense Guest. Because our bot Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I am at Great White Gipster, G R 8 W Y T E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games that we talked about tonight, you want to talk about how mediocre that the Baywatch movie was, or you want to hear more about Tim and I discussing TV and movies, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so we got four games on the schedule coming up for this week. We've got Christ. the games tonight in Florida. We've got the game tomorrow in Tampa Bay, Friday versus the Dallas Stars, and Saturday in Columbus. Two back-to-backs? Jesus. This is gonna, that tomorrow, next week's going to be a tough episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's like half of them are going to be, the Sens bailed it in. Great. Yeah. Um, if that's although, the case, do you, do you just want to just say... Yeah, the Sens, they mailed it in, that happened, and then we just go on to talk about random shit for the, ne for the next hour. Well, honestly, we've got 15 games left in the season. I think it's the only way we're getting through this fucker. Fuck, do we really only have 15 now? Yeah. We're in March, dude. Wow. Oh, this weekend's St. Paddy's Day, too. No, that's, uh, when is it? It's not... That's this weekend, dude. Is it seriously? Oh, yeah, that's right, it is on... Let me have a look here in the menu. Oh, it's Saturday. Hmm, okay. I'm probably working that anyway, so it's not a big deal for me. Are you going to be, like, serving your kids greed shit? Yeah, I'm going to be serving them absent and just be like, Go get shit Stop being our problem for an afternoon. Yeah. Be like, Taylor, you need to get back to work. Fuck off! It's St. Patrick's Day! Ay, ay, ay. Oh, you could talk to the leprechaun with Ralphie. Yeah. Oh, you did well, lad. Now, burn down the school. Burn them all! <laughs> Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Sands, guys. Woo!
so long, my time here is up. They're going home!